Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello there, welcome to a brand new Ars Blog Arscast right here on ArsBlog.com. Hope you're well. We're looking ahead to the North London Derby this weekend. And of course, it comes in a week after which we've crashed out of the Capital One Cup at the hands of Southampton, or the feet of Southampton, of all people. I don't know why I said of all people there, because there's no particular relevance, is there, to to Southampton. But sometimes it's just good to add a little extra something to give it, to give it drama. It'd be like if you go into a, a cafe and said, I, I'd like a ham sandwich and a cup of coffee, or else. That would certainly add some tension to the moment. Not that you're necessarily going to do anything, and it probably would result in a situation that, that doesn't turn out great. Either they call security, you know, these cafes and the high-tech security they have, or, or you get the sandwich that someone dropped on the floor a bit earlier. But, you know, you've got to live life on the edge a bit. So we lost to Southampton of all people. And uh, we, we'll uh, discuss that in a few moments' time. We will, of course, be looking ahead to the game against Tottenham. We've got the winner of our competition from last week, in which we gave you a chance to win a copy of Together, the story of Arsenal's unbeaten season, the hardback. Um, what else? What else is there? Oh, we'll touch on the, I don't know, I don't know. Stop stressing me out. I don't know what's coming between now and the end of the show because, frankly, I just sort of make it up as I go along, so, which does make it difficult. I know vaguely, you know, what's going to happen, but there you go. And I'm very much in making it up as I go along territory uh, this week because it's just one of those weeks. There's, not, there's no defining thing. I know we've got that, that thing going on with Stan Kroenke and his money, don't we? The £3 million payment that he, he paid his own company for advising himself when the advice was probably you should pay yourself £3 million. Now, it does set a little bit of, um, not a worrying precedent, but, you know, it is a little bit um, unclear as to exactly what the services rendered were that were worthy of £3 million. Because that's a lot of money. That's uh, a David Ospina, minus one leg, or at least to the knee, I think it was three and a half million pounds. You know, it's a lot. It's 12 Colo Tours of a young age, a young vintage. I don't know what a Colo Toure goes for now on the, on the open market. Probably a bit less than what we paid for him, 250,000. So three million's a lot of money. I certainly would pay myself three million pounds if I could do it. And you know what? If if people objected to that, I think I'd be very much like, well, you know, fuck you. Um, I'm going to do it anyway. And I think that's kind of what Cronky's done. He said, meh, 
I'll dip my toe in the water here and see what the response is like, because I can't do the whole dividends thing. No, it's not possible. So I'll just render some services unto myself and then pay myself for those services. And then we'll see what the reaction is. And after that, well, you know, I'll make a, a judgment call. And it should make the AGM quite interesting, assuming anyone's allowed to ask the question in the first place. Um, because they do vet the questions, don't they? You get somebody put their hand over, you got, you got a question, and it's yes, and it's, um, why are there so many pigeons on the roof? And the questions that people want answered aren't necessarily the ones that are allowed to be asked. But we'll see. We'll see this time around. And then Stan will sit there and he'll go, um, yeah, I don't give a fuck. I, you know, I can do what I want here, essentially. And there's not much any of you can do about it because, you know, I own 66% of everything. And uh, who's going to stop me? Who? Who amongst you is going to stand up and stop me, Stan Kroenke, master of the universe? You can, you can do nothing, mere mortals. So there. You'd kind of have to respect him a little bit if he did that. But we'll have to we'll have to just wait and see how this whole financial thing plays out. Um, I'm just not sure I like the idea that after years of us cutting our cloth and having to sell all our best players, without the millionaire, billionaire owner putting anything into the club, and I don't have an issue with that because I like the idea that we buy, uh, you know, we, we spend what we earn, etc., etc. I think that's good and it's healthy, but I think... After all the years of uh, parsimony and austerity that we went through and the ticket price rises, the minute things start getting good, he's paying his own company money. I mean, it's a, bit, a little bit dodgy. I mean, if Cronky had been one of those guys who had said when things were bad, look, here, buy a couple of players and that might that might help you keep your Fabregas guy and the Van Persie guy and these guys who, who left essentially to play for more competitive teams. And then he took a few quid. Now you might say, well, it's not ideal, but you know. But no, no, there was never anything like that. All he ever did was buy shares. So I wonder if we'll get a, an explanation for this or if it'll just be cronky master of the universe thing again, which I suspect probably. But we'll see. We'll see. So Capital One Cup action in midweek. Mm, bit disappointing. I thought the team was probably about right. Uh, we couldn't um, couldn't risk any of the, the senior defenders, even though Callum Chambers played, but I think, as we discussed on one of the Arscast extras, he, he's younger and his recovery time uh, wouldn't be as as much as Koscielny or Mertesacker, both of whom are carrying injuries. Mertesacker's got a, a wonky glute, apparently. Koscielny's still got a bit of an Achilles niggle. Kieran Gibbs, his hamstring's not 100%, and with Nacho Monreal out for a while till um, when after the next interlull which is after the Chelsea game um, yeah we couldn't couldn't risk anybody there very young back four who I thought played pretty well overall considering Southampton were were decent uh, it was just that you know we didn't have the the thing up front um, to build on the great goal that Alexis scored and what a free kick what a free kick that was after the uh, Man City game a number of people emailed me to say, 
Look at the amount of free kicks we got in dangerous positions, and not one of them was on target. A number of them, we didn't even go for goal. What's going on there? And I had to agree that, you know, it's an area we've been lacking in um, down the years. Van Persie, let's face it, if he hit a free kick right, it was blinding. Great free kicks, but they were, what, one in 40? The rest of them, no. No. You know, they'd end up in the stand or somewhere else. And um, it was great to see Alexis step up and actually just do exactly what we've needed somebody to do uh, with a free kick for, for quite a long time. Santi Cazorla's got a good free kick on him, as we know from FA Cup final. But maybe Alexis has got that little bit extra. Uh, and it's good to have somebody like that in your team, to have those options in attacking areas rather than, oh, look, we hit the wall again. Or, look, oh, look, it's just landed in the... The front garden of the Tollington there. Uh, but uh, unfortunately, uh, that goal was the highlight of the evening from an Arsenal point of view. Um, not saying we gifted them two goals. We certainly gave away a silly penalty. And then, well, their second goal was really quite special. Uh, brilliant hit from Klein. Could have closed it down. I thought the ball moved um, quite a bit, actually. When you see it from behind, you can see Ospina thinking it's going one way and then it just swerves the other and he can't he can't correct himself in time. And um, Yeah, maybe other goalkeepers would have got a hard time there, but uh, I don't know. I think it's a bit harsh. Uh, overall, not a bad debut for the Colombian, but not certainly the kind of debut that would make you think, well, Chesney's under real pressure here. Um, and seeing as Ospina's probably not going to get a game until, well, I don't know when. Unless Chesney's form hits the toilet, he's probably not going to play again unless we've got a dead rubber in the in the Champions League. And the way we started that competition, um, I'm not sure that's going to be possible. So we'll have to see. Manager will assess all that in training. And look, we're out of a competition which, in fairness, provides a relatively realistic hope uh, of a trophy for us. And it's a disappointment and disappointing that some of the players can't play on. But look, what we'll do... Um, is continue this discussion of the, the Capital One Cup game with our guests this week. And it's a welcome back to the show for the presenter of The Breakdown on Arsenal.com, among many other things. It's Adrian Clark. Hi there. Hello, Andrew. Can we start, please, with the Capital One Cup in midweek? A disappointment in terms of the result, obviously, that, that we're out now. But on the night, Arsene Wenger, I guess, had to rotate his squad and had to bring some of the fringe players in, um, the likes of Podolski, uh, Rosicki, Joel Campbell up front. And at the back, Arsenal were very um, raw, I think might be a good word to, <laughs> to describe it. Um, how did you feel the the young defenders did? Because to my mind, I, I thought those guys acquitted themselves under the circumstances quite well and the disappointment was further, further up the pitch. Yeah, Arsenal didn't lose this match because of the youngsters in defence, that's for sure. I think they can all look back on it with, with reasonable pride. It, it wasn't easy, I've got to say. Mm. Southampton had a, good, had a really good strike force. Tadic, uh, Mane and, and Pella. Three good players, excellent talents, and um, yeah, I would I would say that they had their hands full. I mean, Hector Bellerin, I think some of his positioning could have been a touch better, but he's got such pace that he's he's able to to get back in and save the day, and he did that a few times. Um, Callum Chambers was was pretty solid. I thought Isaac Hayden actually caught the eye. He yeah, I agree. Strong and confident, and, and and didn't look at all phased by by, by the occasion. Uh, and Cochrane at right back, he did a solid job. I, I think it, it kind of affected the balance of the team. The fact that he can't really get forward like a typical Arsenal left back mm. 
would get forward. Um, but defensively, he was fine. So no, they, they, they all did. They all did all right. Uh, it was just a little bit flat, wasn't it? Further forward, I, I yeah. thought anyway. Yeah, just on Cockerlan there because I thought he had a really good game. And you, as a he's a central midfield player, as we know, uh, a right-footed central midfield player being asked to play a left back. Um, from your point of view as a left-footed midfield player, how would you have fared a right back? <laughs> it'd have been my worst nightmare. I, I would have been, I'd have been in, in a state of complete panic. So, <laughs> so he did, he did all right. Yeah, he's he's got a little bit of defensive. Uh, now he's got plenty of experience he's not what you'd call a kid anymore mm. um, and and I think he's going to find it hard really to, to get into the Arsenal midfield this season so so I would have thought he was grateful for the opportunity to get out there and mm. yeah I think given the fact that he's, he, he's probably not played left back for a long 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 time he did he did pretty well but yeah it was one of those games where you can say lots of players did okay but very few players really shone, and that, and, that, and that was the disappointment. Going back to the to the issue up front, people were disappointed, obviously, that um, we didn't score more than we did. Um, a great free kick from Alexis, but apart from that, we didn't threaten hugely. Lucas Podolski, Thomas Rosicki looked quite rusty. Um, Joel Campbell again didn't really make a, a big impact on the game how much of that do we put down to the fact that they just haven't played very much this season a lot I, re- I just think it's something that, that people don't take into account enough when you've hardly kicked a football competitively for weeks or months it's really hard and you get rusty and you get tired quicker and and when you're tired you make more mistakes I, I definitely felt that we saw that with Thomas Rosicki he he was he was trying he, he was everywhere but there was just an element of rustiness about his game it, some of his decision making wasn't as smart as it as it usually is I guess so so that was what we saw with him um with Joel Campbell possibly trying a little bit too hard and uh, I would like to have seen him up front. I, I, I'd like to see him down the middle. It, it just was a touch predictable, come, cutting inside from that right flank onto yeah. his left foot, running into trouble a, a touch. So so that's something he'll learn from. And yeah, Lucas Podolski was probably the biggest disappointment because he was very quiet and didn't seem to work hard enough to get himself in the game. That's, that would be my criticism of him. Yeah, would you have, I think a lot of people, and I, I think I would have liked to have seen Chuba Akpon perhaps given a run a little bit earlier than he than he was, yeah. given the way Podolski was playing. Yeah, no, definitely. I think the game was kind of crying out for, for Chuba Akpon because Alexis, he can, do, he can do a job up front, but he's very much learning how to play that role in this Arsenal team. He's, he's, he's far from the finished article in that in that area. And Arsenal aren't used to having a striker that kind of goes everywhere. And, and, and they're used to having somebody up there, aren't they, mm. to bounce balls off. And, and that and that wasn't happening. So, yeah, I, I think if Chib Rackbond had come on earlier, it would have given the guys around him a bit more chance to kind of um, get better possession. As it happened, everyone was kind of floating in here there and everywhere but there was no penetration it, it was one of those nights where that final ball that, that moment of magic was was sadly lacking apart from obviously Alexis's free kick goal yeah and, and a bit of a shame I mean regardless of um, the competition itself and people don't some people don't hold it in in great stock it is a competition that has been beneficial to us even if we haven't gone all the way to the final that yeah. it does give these young players a chance to to play and when you look at the the situation at the back 
where uh, Arsene Wenger is talking about Mertesacker and, and Gibbs carrying injuries, you know, they should be fine, obviously, for the weekend. But, you know, we don't have a great deal of depth there. It would have been good if we'd gone another couple of rounds to give these guys the, the first-team experience that's so valuable. Definitely, definitely. I, I do agree with that. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's a useful way of keeping players fit. I, I'm just, I'm not, Arsene Wenger's done it down the years and, He's, I mean, he's not won the League Cup, but he's got very close on it on occasions. And then the record's pretty good. I'm, I'm not a fan of kind of wholesale changes. I, I think it's really hard for players to come in and and shine when everybody is... It's a whole new eleven. Nobody's used to one another. It's a yeah. difficult environment to, to come into and impress. And, yeah, and those young guys, you fear for them now. I mean, when is Isaac Hayden going to get another run out and... Coquelin and and these getting Bellerin. Well, Bellerin hopefully, well, he'll, he'll he'll no doubt be on the bench a fair bit in in the coming weeks. But you you don't know how much action he's going to get. So yeah, it's a shameful concern really. But yeah, I would I would have liked Arsenal mm. not just for the youngsters' sake, but just for the club's sake sure. to have stayed in the competition because it's a cup and and it feels good winning in cup as as we know from May. So. Um, yeah, I was just a bit sad that we made the early exit. Going back then to what happened at Villa Park last Saturday and maybe Arsenal's most convincing Premier League display of the season, or certainly the most convincing win, uh, 3-0 um, with Mesut Ozil and Danny Welbeck looking very good together. Um, obviously it happened in a, in a short burst, yeah. but that's often the way that matches are decided that you just have these moments um that that change games and we see we had three of those moments very close together um were you encouraged by the signs um that that exist between Ozil and Welbeck I know it's very early to start drawing any real conclusions but it it, it just sort of highlighted what we've been missing over the last uh, the last little while pace in behind somebody with an eye for a pass good delivery into the box and a striker in there poaching uh, the the two goals they conjured up between them were fantastic they were yeah no I was really encouraged look Villa weren't very good on the day as we said and uh, Mesut Ozil was kind of given the freedom of, of the park by the by the Villa midfield who who just couldn't get to grips with him at all I did like the fact that uh, Ozil and Welbeck were playing closer to one another so when the ball went up to Welbeck he immediately had someone in and around him he could knock the ball off to and, and then get into the box we saw that for the goal of course I did like the way Danny Welbeck sprinted in, sprinted into the area for that goal that was that showed real desire and yeah look, I, uh, it's hard to tell because I, I think Villa were off it on the day, but but the system, the fact that Urza was was playing more centrally, seemed to suit Urza. It seemed to suit Welbeck, and it seemed to suit the rest of the team. So, I'd probably be a little bit surprised if the manager um, didn't stick with that mm. for the weekend coming, because um, it was it was quite hard. They obviously, have to analyse the game for for the breakdown and whatnot, and. I always try and look at it objectively and, and pick faults. And some some games are easier than others. <laughs> <laughs> but in this particular match, it wasn't easy to find faults. I thought it was a pretty polished performance. And um, with the ball, it was easily the best Arsenal have played this season. You know, given that you do um, analyse every game and have to look at the, the way the team is set up and the shape of it and the tactical uh, aspect of things... Um, 
was this more of a return to the system that we saw last season with Ramsey and Arteta playing a little bit closer together? Uh, and is that now, having seen the way that that worked, is is that the blueprint? You said you'd be surprised if he changed it, but we know Arsene is very much a man of his own mind. But to me, it seems like this is the way that we've got to play, given the players that we have in certain areas of the team. Yeah, it, it, it's just something the players are used to and they're comfortable with that, with that system. You know what you're going to get. Uh, what I did notice in that game was, was there was a real uh, r- rotation. We, we saw different players popping into. It wasn't Özil just didn't stay in the number ten position. He moved out wide when he wanted to, and then we saw Ramsey push on or Kazola come inside or even the Ox came in from the right quite a bit and played centrally. There, there was a definite more uh, fluidity about the team, and and that's probably because they just felt more comfortable. I think they knew their jobs a little bit better. Um, the four one four one, I just, I think it can work really well, but but especially in away games or especially in tough games where where you come up against a really powerful midfield, but it seems to me like the players have almost taken the system too literally. They've stopped being as fluid in that. Yeah. And Mesut Ozil, let's take him for as an example. The manager's gone on record lots of times, and I believe him when he says that, that Mesut Ozil, when Arsenal have the ball in that system, he doesn't have to stay on the left wing. But he has stayed on the left wing or the right wing or wherever, whichever wing position he's been asked to play. He just hasn't moved away from it enough. And um, so, so if he does go back to that, I'd just like to see Mesut. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Uh, um, just roam around and do his thing. But if you if you if you're comparing them, the four two three one with Özil given a complete free role, he seems happier and the team seems happier. So yeah, I, I think that might be the way to go. Uh, something that a number of people have, have commented on was the fact that the performance at Villa Park might have been aided by Villa's unwellness, but also came when Jack Wilshire was on the bench. Um, is it a That's case a of... No, I just mean that, you know, I, I like Wilshire and I think he's played really well uh, at times this season. I thought he was outstanding against Manchester City. Yeah. Um, but in this, in this system, is it a case of either or with him or, or Aaron Ramsey? Yeah, I think so. It's certainly for for a game like Tottenham. If if you're going to play, I don't know, Burnley at home or something, a, a game that you're expected to dominate, maybe you don't need Mikel Arteta or, or Flamini for that kind of game because you're going to have so much of the ball. Uh, but you could probably pair Wilshire and Ramsey then. 
But yeah, I think that the, the part of the, the early season system, it was almost a way of, of getting Ramsey and Wilshire into the same team together. And I actually thought they were hitting it off. And, and that City performance was really good. As you rightly point out, Wilshire was brilliant in that game. It, it was just such a pity that then the Dortmund match came on the back of that where where they... Yeah, it didn't click at all. So, so, so that's that's the negative that that's kind of imprinted on our minds at the moment. But, but yeah, um, on current form, you, I, I would be tempted to pick Jack Wilshire ahead of ahead of Aaron Ramsey because I just think he's he, he's he's in better form than, than Ramsey. But as he, as he proved many times last year. He's well worth. He's a player that, that that's well worth persisting with because he'll he will score goals. So uh, I, I don't see the manager mm. giving him a break uh, anytime soon. It's 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 a it's a real battle between those two, and it's it is a pity that that there has to be one or the other in that four two three one. Yeah, I mean it is. It's um it's yeah. one of those things that could spur both players on. And the thing okay. about Ramsey is that even when he isn't playing particularly well, he can get you that goal as he's done yeah. uh, three times this season. But I think Wilshire's, Wilshire's yeah. capable as well. But look, I yeah. guess it's a good problem for, for the manager to have. Um, I suppose I just, yeah, you, you just wonder who's going to be the more defensive player. I mean, they could share the workload and they, they, they could just take turns like midfielders used to do in the <laughs> old days. You didn't have a sitting midfielder. You, you know, both midfielders would get, would get back and both would go forward. It's doable, but I don't... I, yeah, I, I just think in a big game, it's probably maybe a step too far at the moment for, for those two to play on their own. So... Um, if Urza was going to be in that hole and it's going to be four two three one, yeah, I think at the moment it's, it's Ramsey or Jack. Okay, all right. Um, looking ahead then this weekend to the to the North London derby, um, and always a, a huge game and a huge occasion. Um, and there is in this um, Arsenal team now a very English or British core uh, who understand the the meaning of this game. But I think when you um, when you've got players like Alexis, when you've got players like Ozil, who uh, come to the club uh, having experienced the Barcelona Real Madrid derby, for example. They yeah. don't necessarily need that much education in terms of of what the game means in the overall scheme of things. Wouldn't have thought so. No, uh, Alexis seems like the kind of player that would relish a bit of a ding dong battle. He, he's everywhere, isn't he? He likes to get stuck in. I noticed this week he he's um, he's level pegging in, inside the top ten with with Flamini as the, as the one of the dirtiest players in the Premier League. Uh, which Alexis. I thought was quite funny. Um, t- by dirty, I mean by making the most fouls each game. He's in the top ten. Is he? Is he also in the top ten of, of the most fouled? Because I'd say. Uh, he oh, that's is. a good question. I have to look that one up. He must be, but he he loves the the physical side of it, doesn't he? And mm. yeah, I, I sense this might be his his type of match. Um, yeah, look, it's going to be fast and furious. And, and, and even though Arsenal, we've done well against Spurs the last three times, clean sheets. Two of those games, the two league games, were, were quite tough, weren't they? And and, yeah. and and Spurs did put a lot of pressure on the team, and they did knock Arsenal out of their stride. And under Pochettino, there's a, there's a danger that with that pressing game that they might do that again. Because if there's one thing Arsenal's players have been proven not to like, it's being kind of harassed, mm. uh, like Dortmund did. So um, you can be sure that, that Tottenham will try 
and copy what Dortmund did to, to the Gunners just a, just a week or two ago. So um, we've got to be ready for it this time. Yeah, I mean, you think that that would be their approach is to try and, you know, use that Dortmund match as... Um, I mean, it's more difficult for them to do away from home, is it? Yeah, but I think any team that plays Arsenal will try and emulate that. It's not just Dortmund, is it? Liverpool did it last year. Chelsea did it. When you really get in the face of, of, of Arsenal's kind of attacking players and yeah, harass them and, and be strong and, and whatnot, it, it, it has proven to, to, to be effective at times. So that's something Arsenal in the big games and against the best opposition have just got to, they've got to be wise to it and they've got to be ready to and have an answer for that move. Forward, so that's what I'm most looking forward to seeing. I want to see Arsenal toughen up a touch and, and really, really be ready to handle. I mean, they did against City, to be uh, to be honest, on home turf. They did, they did. Um, I thought they played really aggressively, and they did it well. And I think it'll be that type of match again. Spurs would definitely try and rattle Arsenal. Yeah, and it is one of those games, isn't it, where form isn't really a, a factor. Spurs haven't been convincing this season under Pochettino but um, you know he did a tremendous job at Southampton um, and may just take a a bit of time but regardless of that you know it's one of those games where pretty much anything can happen definitely yeah Uh, yeah it's one of the I never like to jinx it. I yeah. always like to tip up Spurs in the hope that I'm. Them <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure we're all quite similar in that, in that regard. Yeah, I, there's a couple of things that's, that made me slightly nervous. The, the, the most uh, thing I'm worried about is counter attacks. I, I feel that we haven't really got to grips with that yet. If, if even in early on against Aston Villa, if they'd have been a little bit more clinical, they could have hurt us on the counter. And, and it seems like every team we play against gets a little bit of joy in that regard, even Southampton the other night. So so with with those guys like Lamela and Ericsson and, and Chadley to, to a certain degree, they've got those players that, that can hurt Arsenal. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm a, uh, yeah, we've got to watch for that. Yeah, one of the questions we got on the, the RSCast Extra on Monday was whether we w- would be more concerned about um, an opposition corner or a counter-attack from when we have a corner. I mean, is that the kind of thing that's got to be worked on on the training ground in, in the way that the, the the team is set up? Like, who's going forward? Who's going to sit? How quickly people get back? I mean, surely there's a lesson to be learned from what happened at Dortmund. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I did notice at Villa, nothing really came of the, the corners that Villa had. I did notice there was, there was a slight change and, and the markers, kind of uh, the zone edged a couple of yards further out, closer to the to the guys that were attacking the ball. Yeah. So I think that's something they've, that they've been working on. So, I, yeah, I would hope that we won't be allowing runners a free, you know, to get like a five-yard run up and, and climb above Arsenal's defence. I think hopefully that will be addressed. In terms of the counter-attacking, it, it's kind of just our, it's Arsenal's way, isn't it, to, to, to push those full-backs on. And I, I don't see that... I don't see that stopping anytime soon. If Arsenal had maybe a more mobile midfielder than Mikel Arteta or Flamini, it wouldn't be such a such an issue because they can get across quickly and provide good cover. But as we saw with Flamini against City, he struggled a little bit in that in that regard. And when City broke on him, he was also floundering. So um, that is that is the worry. Um, yeah, if it, yeah. Personally, I, I would be a bit more cautious and only let one fullback go forward at a time. 
but but uh, Arsenal have been playing this way for years and years and years now so I don't think it's going to change overnight alright ok well look we'll keep fingers crossed that uh, none of those bad things happen when uh, <laughs> all the good stuff that we want to happen in a North London derby comes to pass Adrian Clark, thank you very much yeah pleasure thank you to Adrian you can find him on arsenal.com of course doing the breakdown for every league game and you'll get him on Twitter as well if you want to follow it's at Adrian J Clark Clark with an E that's at Adrian J Clark Clark with an E oh another Clark who's partial to an E now and again but that's neither here nor there uh, more stuff in a minute hi I'm Stan Cranky. When I understand that there's been some disconcertation this week about the money I paid myself from Arsenal. I understand people might be suspicious, but I'm nothing if not transparent. So I'm gonna explain to you, no, I'm gonna act out exactly how this came to pass. <clears throat> Come in. Oh, morning, Stan. Good morning, Stan. How are you today, big fella? Oh, I'm a little blue, I gotta say. Why is that? Well, it's this girl. I really like her, but she doesn't seem to notice me. Well, I've got some advice. What's that? Well, how about you drive by in your limousine, holding up a sign saying, I'm worth billions of dollars. That is good advice. That's what I'm here for, Stan. Anytime you need my strategic and advisory services, you just come a knock in. I sure will, Stan. Now, that'll be three million pounds. Oh, Stan, you're such a card. No, I, I mean it. Give me three million pounds, or I'll shoot you in the face. Uh, now, I know I said earlier that I just kind of make this podcast up as I go along, which is true for the most part, but some things you have to prepare. And I was looking uh, for something today in the archives of the old RS casts, and there's stuff in there that, that, you know, you try certain things, right? You, you try and make something that could be quite funny or, you know, that might have a bit of mileage. And I came across something called Shamak Obama, which was obviously an attempt to shoehorn Shamak and Barack Obama into a kind of sketch or a character that, that might work. And I, I was looking at it going, I don't remember doing that at all. It was weird. I have to figure out when, when it was exactly. Um, I have it right here. It was from uh, August 2010. August 2010. And there was a thing, a file there called Shamak Obama. So I played it. And I was left even more confused afterwards because this is what it was. Well, welcome, everybody. Please have a seat. Have a seat. It is wonderful to see all of you. You killed our pelicans, you British asshole. So a number of questions went through my mind when I was listening to that. Firstly, um, Barack Obama, Marouane Shamak, and pelicans? What the fuck? What have pelicans got to do with anything? And then, which one of them was the British asshole? And where did that silly voice come from? So there you go. An inner look at the, the workings of the arse cast and things that, that don't make it. And for good reason, it has to be said. Conceptually, Shamak Obama, it's good. It rolls off the tongue. 
You know, the name is good, but the material was, was slightly lacking. I'm not sure there's a lot of traction in politicians, CrossFit, Arsenal players. And who else could you have? Um, John F. Ray Kennedy? No. Um, Gandhi and Wright? No. No, I've, I've gone too far with this now. We're really stretching it already. So anyway, there you go. That's um, stuff, that, stuff that doesn't work and still doesn't. And um, yeah, Okay. Right. Last week, I gave you a chance to win a copy of Together, the story of Arsenal's unbeaten season. And uh, the question was, what number did Lauren wear in the unbeaten season? What number did he wear on his back? The number was 12. And the winner, the random number generator has picked, is Pierre Martin. I guess it's Pierre Martin, no? I guess. I could be completely wrong. Um, Pierre, well done to you. I will be in touch. I'll drop you an email. Uh, I'll get your address, and we'll get the book out to you uh, as quick as we can. For those waiting on the audiobook, it should, all things going well, it should be out today, available on the Ars Blog shop. Um, just a final couple of things to test. I'll be doing that this morning. Uh, if you're listening to this on Friday, and it will be available. Um, it's about... Um, about a 400 megabyte download, um, which is probably a bit bigger than a normal audiobook, and it's set in a way that it's um, it's individual chapters. Each file is an individual chapter. Um, so, yeah, I think that's the way to do it. And, um, yeah, it'll be available on site with some instructions about how to download because it's a bit specific, I think, in terms of the shop software. So uh, pay close attention to the instructions uh, when they're posted on the site. I'll, I'll put a post up on arsblog.com. Uh, other than that, let's think, oh, yeah, the live thing, the Arsblog live event taking place in Union Chapel Bar on Monday, the 6th of October. It's the Arscast Extra. Myself and James will be there. Uh, sold out. Thank you very much. Surprisingly, you know, the tickets went in about um, about eighteen hours, something like that. We you know didn't didn't even have them on sale a day, and they were all sold out. There were only I think one hundred and forty uh, entries or tickets because it's not the biggest venue in the world. Uh, so maybe if we do this again, provided the audience doesn't bottle us off the stage, uh, we'll try and find somewhere a little bit bigger uh, the next time around. Uh, so thank you. We're looking forward to doing that uh, on October the sixth. And now we just have a to look ahead to the to the Tottenham game tomorrow. Um, one of those games where form really goes out the window, as we know. Uh, they haven't been inspired yet by uh, Pochettino. Nobody did a very good job, obviously, at Southampton. We go into the game. The only injury news or team news that we have is that Matthew Flamini might be back uh, after suffering a dead leg. Um, so that's something, I guess. Um, but everybody else, apart from the, the long-termers, Debushi, uh, Giroud, Theo Walcott not back yet. Uh, he was never supposed to be back for this game anyway, so it uh, makes no difference there. They're not in the squad. But apart from that, it seems everybody else is fit and healthy, and it remains to be seen how the manager approaches the game, because um, the system that worked so well at Villa Park, you'd like to think that he sticks with it because it seemed to get the best out of the players that we have. Uh, a couple of changes in the team, probably you'd think that Alexis uh, will come in for uh, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain on the right-hand side, um, which yeah makes sense considering he can take the free kicks and he's got four goals since he started and he's... Um, 
Yeah, he's been one of our best players so far this season. Uh, in terms of his end product, I think he can play better overall. But uh, and I think we, you know, if we can get Welbeck and uh, and Ozil on the same wavelength again, then we've got plenty that can do them damage. But one of those games, isn't it? You just never quite know. Five thirty kickoff as well. Uh, so that should be fun, make for a good atmosphere anyway. People will have had a, a pint or two before they go along to the stadium. And, uh, you know, let's hope we can put in a performance similar to the one against Villa. Um, the games against Tottenham last season, if you remember, two 1-0 wins in the league. Um, I remember the game of the Emirates was a little bit sketchy. Chesney had to make a brilliant save, I think, in, in uh, the second half. Uh, deflected shot, and he, he got down to, to save it. And the game at White Hart Lane, as we know, Rosicki conted that one into the top corner in the opening minutes. And then we were pretty much under bombardment uh, for the rest of the game from, from Tottenham. Um, whether or not they can do that to us again, we'll have to wait and see. But, you know, you have to fancy your chances at home. Uh, three points would be very nice indeed after what was a great weekend last weekend with everyone else um, having a, a pretty poor time, a hilariously poor time. So we could uh, hope for much the same again. If we can beat Tottenham, that takes care of one of those things. That means we win and Spurs lose all in one go. And then the rest of them, if they could all just, you know, go fuck themselves and lose as well, that would be ideal. So what we'll do on Monday on the Arscast Extra is we'll look back on the weekend, dissect the, uh, the North London Derby and everything else. Um, let's keep fingers crossed for a good result, and I'll talk to you on next week's Arscast. So until then, take it easy. Cheers. Bye-bye. Yes, hello. Yes, this is MI5. You want to report a terrorist plot? Okay, but by who is it? ISIS, Al-Qaeda, the super-duper IRA? Barack Obama and Marouane Shamak. The, the guy who used to not score for Arsenal. Yeah, him. Mm, okay. And um, what does this plot entail? Pelicans. A fleet of pelican bombs. Uh-huh. Going to be unleashed worldwide, you say? I see. And um, any idea who the, the mastermind behind all this is? Harvey Keitel, the actor from the piano, yeah? I see. Okay, well, look, um, thanks for that. You have our assurance we're really going to take this seriously. Oh, f- oh. 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 